Hello! A very warm Sunday morning welcome to you. You're listening to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by a very clever dad joke. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, may I suggest that you take a peek at www.stmarkbemidji.org. You may also want to subscribe to our YouTube channel for video podcasts or our Facebook page. If you have any trouble finding us, just look at the show notes in this podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you. If you have any feedback on the podcast or you just want to say hi, drop me a line at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. The world is full of opinions. People have an opinion on everything from movies to fashion to politics. Some even elevate their own opinion to the level of an expert opinion. This poses a problem when it comes to Christ. The world around us and our sinful hearts see little value in Christ and, and in the building of His church. The religious leaders of Jesus' day held the opinion that Christ and His message were worthless. Thankfully, the Lord tells us to expect this from the world. Many will seek Him, but many will miss out because heaven's greatest treasure is often seen as trash. Let the world have its expert opinion of the Savior. Christ is not up for debate. His worth is beyond value, and He continues to bless and give His gifts freely to any and all that seek Him where His promises are found, in His Word and in the sacraments. Our sermon for today is titled, The Parable is Transparent, and is based upon a reading from Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 19. We read, He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one they also beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid! Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because he knew that he had spoken this parable against them. But... They were afraid of the people. We now join Pastor Zamzo for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, our chief cornerstone, amen. Sometimes when you read through the Gospels and you come across a time where Jesus teaches in a parable, you find his audience confused find either the disciples or the, the, those in his hearing sitting there wondering what in the world is he talking about. And it takes until later on, even as you, the reader, 
page through and see and come to the end where the disciples come to Jesus and say, what were you talking about? What did you mean by this, Lord? And then we get the explanation of what it was he was talking about. Today, that is not the case. Today, this parable that Jesus gives of the tenants and the vineyard, this parable is absolutely transparent. And what's the picture in front of us that Jesus paints? A beautiful vineyard brimming with life, tending vines, heavy grapes, a gracious master who would tend it lovingly. Yet, some tenants who would not be out of place on an episode of World's Dumbest Criminals. They have excellent pay, they have a beautiful place to work, but they want more. In fact, what they want is the vineyard itself. When the master sends his servants to collect on the harvest, they beat them up. They mistreat them and they send them away with nothing. And finally, even the son of the master comes when they see him. They think to themselves, hey, if we kill him and we get away with it, and if that rich Excuse me. If that rich landowner dies with no heir, the inheritance and the whole vineyard will be all ours. This will all fall to us. The parable is transparent. It's transparent for those in Jesus' hearing on that day. What has the Lord done but sum up the entire history of, of Israel in a nutshell? Just a couple simple examples. He shows how again and again God in His mercy and in His love sends His prophets (coughs) to His people. He sends His messengers to His people, yet still, all the prophets of the Old Testament, if you read, they're mistreated. They're ignored. They were persecuted and sent away. Those prophets that spoke the Word of God lovingly as God called His people to repentance, who spoke not their own message, but the message of God, the message of the Master. Reminding His people why they were His chosen. (coughs) Reminding His people time and time and time again of why they were even working in the vineyard to begin with. So much of the problems that surround God's chosen people, Israel, revolve around the fact that they forgot why they were God's chosen people. They wanted that vineyard. They wanted that for themselves. We're doing some hard work down here. We're doing, some, we're doing well for, for ourselves. We're taking care of the city that God has given us to live in. God must look down on us and smile every time that He sees His chosen people. They thought it was something in them. And it had really nothing to do with them at all. They were God's chosen people because God chose in mercy and love to send a Savior through their line. Unfortunately, 
since they had rejected messenger after messenger after messenger, when the son and heir came, they didn't even recognize him. They didn't recognize him and they didn't care to recognize him. How could they? Well, the other former servants they'd rejected, and so finally now they reject the son. The parable is transparent. The reason that the tenants rejected the messengers and the, as the son is because they want this vineyard in all that it is for themselves. As I said, they thought they were the ones doing the hard work. They should be the ones that were calling the shots. And it's true for the nation of Israel right down to the actual coming of Jesus. As the Pharisees who were there on that day and the teachers of the law who were there believed that they had done pretty well for themselves. They'd gotten rich and comfortable in their positions. They had a nice way of controlling the, pro- the, the populace. They had a productive social structure that provided them with status and honor. The vineyard was theirs and no others. They wanted it for themselves. This is what Jesus is speaking against. The parable is transparent. All you have to do is jump to the end and see where they want to try to kill him immediately because they knew he was saying this all against them. The parable is transparent for in it Jesus directly confronts every single complacent and smug sinner and still today. For as laborers in the New Testament vineyard, this parable of Jesus forces us as workers in that vineyard, to ask the question, have we mistreated the vineyard? Do we desire that this vineyard should be ours since we're the ones putting in the time and the effort and the work into it? It might be easy for us as Lutheran Christians, and sometimes we stumble and we fall into this, looking out at other church bodies and saying, well, they've been unfaithful to the Word of God. They've moved on from the Gospel and no longer preach Christ crucified. And in some cases, yes, that's true. But we cannot say, surely this parable is only directed at them. When a church forgets the life and the death and the resurrection of the Son by which we become heirs, well, then the fate that Jesus describes in this parable awaits. That the master would return and kill those tenants and throw them out. As we ponder our own church and we, and we ponder our own vineyard that we've been blessed to have here, we say along with that crowd that day, God forbid, God forbid that that should ever happen. Yet the parable is transparent. And the heart and the core of this parable addresses all tenants working in the vineyard. And that's you. And that's me. So in light of these words, these clear, transparent words of Jesus, let's examine our own hearts and our own motivations. Let us see that it is by God's grace that we have a place here in this vineyard. This vineyard, this church. 
Because if you think about it, the church itself, like a real vineyard, is a place that is brimming with life amid a barren world. It is a place that is an oasis of refreshment in a dry desert. It has nourishment here for the soul that cannot be found in anything else or anywhere else. And here God blesses us with the life-giving waters of holy baptism which wash away our sins and the, and the rot of the grave. Here God nourishes every soul that walks through those doors with His life-giving Word. And here God gives His chosen people His own flesh and His blood the wine to drink from the cup of salvation to tell us of our forgiveness and our home with Him forever in heaven. So the parable should still be crystal clear and transparent. We work in a vineyard. We have this picture of what the vineyard is and what the vineyard should be, and mark this well, that this vineyard is not ours. We are only the tenants. This place is not here to do with as we please or as suits our needs. What's the whole point of a vineyard? The whole point and purpose of a vineyard is to produce something. It's to produce fruit. It's to produce a crop. To refresh. To be a respite. Not where the tenants who work in it eat the fruit and keep the produce to themselves. No, there's only one way to work as a, tenant, as a tenant in Christ's church in His vineyard. And that is by seeing that He is the vine and we are the branches. And we are joined together in Him. And only in Him do we prosper. Only in Him do we bear any fruit. For this church, this vineyard is not our church. It is His church. And He is the foundation. He is the head. He is the soil. He is everything about it. I love it when we see Jesus asking good old Lutheran questions. What does this mean? He says to the crowd. What does this mean? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Jewish leaders wanted a Messiah of comfortable glory. They wanted a a, 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 a son who would come to them and affirm them in where they were at. But since they killed all the messengers and mistreated them and didn't listen to them, they couldn't recognize the son and they didn't understand that Jesus, the son, the heir's true glory, was a glory that would be made perfect in weakness and it would be completed in suffering and humility on a cross. cross of Christ is a stumbling block. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that stone that Jesus is speaking about is Himself. And those who stumble over Him will be broken to pieces. The cross of Christ is a stumbling block to, those, to all of those who want their way, who live according to the world, who live according and operate by its rules and by its standards and let such standards of the world around us outside the vineyard guide and direct their lives. To those tenants in the vineyard who think this way, who believe that the vineyard is theirs, 
who in hardness of heart looked to God and presumed to tell Him how things should be going. The Lord Jesus speaks this law clearly as well. He says, look out. Look out if you think this way, because My stone will crush you. Literally, it will crush you into powder. The parable is transparent and it sounds harsh. And indeed it is. The preaching of the law here is strong. However, as we ponder these words of the Savior, this transparent parable, we have to ask ourselves another question as workers in the vineyard. What kind of master do we have? What kind of master do we want? What kind of son and heir are we looking for? One who would make us comfortable or who would affirm us in, in what we do all the time? One who would only seek to ever make us happy? Who would congratulate us over our accomplishments or our up upstanding lives as the Pharisees wanted? Because that's the Jesus that the tenants are looking for. That Jesus is no Savior at all. That Jesus is a fraud. No, believers want the son and heir to the vineyard. The true son and heir to the vineyard. The Jesus of all Scriptures. The one who speaks this transparent parable. The one who's not afraid to speak the truth even when it hurts. Because this son, this heir, this Savior doesn't whimper and shrug and give a little smile as people turn away from Him to hell. No, this one chases after them. This Savior, this Son, this Heir calls sin out for what it is. He doesn't turn His back on it, but He sets His face like the stone that He is. And He loads all the sin of the world onto His back. And He marches forward to Jerusalem. And He dies crying out, it is finished. He did it. The Son, the Heir, of the Master. He did it. All the work that we as tenants so often fail to do, He did it. All the faulty work that we as tenants so often do, He completed it. We Christians want the real Jesus, the real Son who has given Himself to death and by that death, redeems and restores and saves. He is the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone upon which this vineyard is built. He is the richness in the soil here. He is the nourishment in the vines. He is the strength in the, in the branches. His word flows in the water and His blood flows in the wine. Brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow tenants in the vineyard, why would we ever want to be illegitimate owners? Christ is the Master. He is the Lord who gives us the grace, this grace-laden vineyard where you and I and all people come to be fed and nourished by the Word and sacrament. Let our prayer be that we are always faithful tenants for the Lord of the harvest. As we've been pardoned and set free and we are at peace.
Let's be compelled by the love of the Son who gave His life so that we too might become heirs with Him. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. If you're listening to this podcast, you're cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. In addition to our traditional worship services, we will continue to create our podcasts and post video versions of our divine services. Links to a video version of our church services can be found on our website, www.stmarksbemidji.org. Our services will continue to be live-streamed at 8 a.m. Sunday mornings and are posted for later viewing if this time is inconvenient for you. If you have any questions or would like to hear more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review and telling a friend.